Oh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell, Chef Bry Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, let's do some empath talk, shall we? At the end of the day, you may call yourself an empath. You may call yourself a sensitive or a highly sensitive person. Or maybe you're just flirting with the idea. Maybe you don't know if you're an empath or not. That's what this show today is all about. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, mental health in general, but especially towards those who are a little bit more on the sensitive side. You may be an empath and not even know it. And then lastly, I I, want to talk about uh, the, the term, don't worry, be happy. Yes, it's the old song from Bobby McFerrin back in the 80s, but at the end of the day, um, the more uptight and the more stressed we become, the more we just sort of lose touch with our inner silly heart, our inner sense of humor. And so we want to talk about what are some of the ways in which we can de-stress and find uh, our peace and our comfort and our happiness even when things aren't exactly going our way. At the end of the day, this is a very weird, strange world. And at the end of the day, we are human beings and we all are searching for success. We are all searching for validation and credibility. And so sometimes we lose our sense of humor or our sense of joy in the process of trying to attain that which we need. And sometimes we find out that the thing we thought we needed, we actually didn't need after all. So thank you guys so very much for your patronage, your friendship, and your support over the years. If you want to help us out, come on over to our link tree. That's linktree forward slash chef fry comedy. Grab yourself a beverage, get comfortable, and let's begin. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I've got my beautiful, wonderful co-host with the most. Her name is Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hello. Yes. <laughs> How you doing out there, you guys? Welcome to Surviving Empathy Podcast and Chef Bride Comedy. So today... Our topic is, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk empath talk. That's right, empath talk and mental health check-in. And uh, lastly, don't worry, be happy. I want to talk about the accumulation of stress. I want to talk about the accumulation of nervousness. And uh, we all have mental health woes. And at the end of the day, the older you get, the more you become sort of detached, if you will, from... Your happy, kind, polite, easygoing, relaxed center. And just like uh, Bobby McFerrin said in the 80s, don't worry, be happy. So we're going to talk about it. And how do you achieve that? Because I think at the end of the day, if you have a physiological inclination to be stressed out, uh, you're, you're just going to be a type A personality. It's like my buddy Jim, you know, the chiropractor. He has a physiological need to be, you know, a badass motherfucker capitalist. Like, I'm a chiropractor, goddammit, and I demand respect. And, um, hey, that's okay. But 
if you have this physiological need to uh, get your identity out of your career, then you're going to have to calm down and relax and enjoy the process. I don't know if he's enjoying the process. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely important. Yeah, well, he's he's got uh, two uh, kids that he's adopted, and he's got a third that he's fostering right now. And I'm hey, I'm fine with that. To each their own. Um, I don't personally want kids. No offense to people who love kids and, and have kids. Uh, I think it's the most natural thing in the world. But um, I just don't know whether or not he was prepared uh, emotionally for all of this. And now you know he he claims to be the the guy that wants the family and. The, the whole, a big, he talks about, I want a big family. I want a big family. I'm like, what are you, Irish Catholic? What happened? <laughs> and, um, and he's got Polish, he's Polish, like you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you redheads and your Polishness. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I don't mention him to make fun or to ridicule him, but more to say, um, I have an inclination for stress and anxiety and uptightness. Um, But, you know, I'm kind of famously known, especially through his eyes, of being the most chill, calm, relaxed, you know, dude in the whole world. And, uh, you know, that's why I try to embrace my dudist philosophy, you know, of, fuck it, dude. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, you you control what you can control. And at the end of the day, you got to give the rest to the universe, you know. Yeah, definitely. But I wanted to talk today uh, in a general sense about our mental health. I want to talk about uh, uh, basically how to let go of all that self-importance, all that ego, all that uh, desire to be in control all the time, you know, like the movie Fight Club. You know, uh, Tyler Durden was a manifestation of his imagination and his imagination was telling him, don't let your stuff own you, you know, you own your stuff and to keep it simple and and to uh, find happiness in the adventure that is life. And, um, and then it kind of reminds me of the sad guru where he says, you know, um, you're your own independent body. You, you operate independently and separate of the universe. So don't let the universe and what's going on out here in the world, affect your daily life and we have this tendency to be interconnected because we're social creatures we have this interdependence uh whether it be our politics whether it be the stress levels at work whether it be our religion or spirituality whatever it is what the sad guru is trying to say is that we have to act as free agents completely detached and independent from the collective and when we do that we separate all those ties that bind all those ties that make us feel uptight uh and and give us all this sense of exhaustion and uh stress and nervousness especially as an empath you know because an empath we have this tendency to pick up on other people's uh, feelings we we tend to pick up on our surroundings and uh so whether we're conscious of it or not we're always you know kind of uh stress balling out because we're vibing off of what we feel out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that definitely happens. Yeah. Well, and, and there's many, many factors at work here. You know, on the one hand, it's the state of the world, the state of, you know, it's like if you were living in Ukraine, how could you have a good night's rest knowing that a bomb could fly into your house any fucking second? Of course you would be on edge, you know. 
And there's a lot of corruption in the world. And so uh, our relationship with the world, our relationship with uh, the earth, our relationship with nature, our relationship with ourself and that interconnectedness with one another is uh, different for, for all of us. And we all get our sense of identity uh, through different things. You know, like my friend, the chiropractor, I use him as an example because he's a stress ball. You know, he's just, and I love him. I love him dearly. He's a good, good guy. But I use him as a, as an example of the difference between what you want in your mind's eye and the, and the way you see yourself and then the actual reality. And at the end of the day, yeah, we all get our identity from a sense of worth, a sense of validation, a sense of credibility, whether that's in our, um, uh, political identity, whether that's in our career identity, and at the end of the day, what I'm getting at really is that you have to reset. You know, you have to let your um, spiritual growth kind of take you uh, into a new realm where you don't feel this necessity always to have a constant, you know, dopamine uh, rush of of good vibes. Uh, in who you are and what you're doing. In other words, there's going to be times where you're going to be kind of uh, the glass is going to be half empty. You're going to your tanks half full. And how are you going to get to the next checkpoint uh, when you're running on empty? You know what I mean? And yeah. and to really just look at life and yourself and you know, where you are in your life right now and find some sense of fun, some sense of joy, some sense of silly heart. At the end of the day, um, when I get stressed out and depressed, it's because I'm tired. It's because I'm cranky. It's because I'm not where I want to be in my life. And it's because of this hurdle we have of essentially not being able to figure shit out. We get angry. I I have an uncle. He gets angry all the time. and, And, you know, you see Trump supporters get angry a lot. And you know why that is? It pisses them off that they can't make connections. Uh, what I mean is is intellectual connections, how things work, how shit functions. It, yeah. it's, it must be very angering to not know how to do shit, right? <laughs> that and they can't make people do what they want them to do. Yeah, they want people to do what they want them to do. Mm-hmm. That's what fascistic tendencies tend to do, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think the way we reclaim our life and reclaim our happiness is just to let go, just like... Fight Club says, you know, is that we, you got to let go. You got to reset and you got to live for today. If you spend, if you get all of your validation in life out of uh, your career or out of um, your clothing or out of your material worth and material wealth, uh, there might be something that happens in your life that will destroy you if you don't start preparing for uh, the inevitabilities and the eventualities of life. In other words, people are going to get sick. People are going to die. And, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to give you the Yoda stuff, you know, that we have to remove all sense of connections towards everything. In other words, you know, they say, if you want to be happy, you have to kind of let go of everything that you seek and worry about losing, right? <clears throat> to, to remove all connection to this earth and be prepared to die at any moment. Yeah, yeah, that's true, but yeah, we're not all <laughs> Buddhist monks, so I don't yeah. exactly hold regular people to that standard. But if you do want to get happy, I do think you have to sort of, I don't know, redefine 
<clears throat> what it is that you want to do and what you want to be and learn to let go. And then we have to have what this, this kind of cathartic release. We have, you know, life is all about cathartic release. You, you, you know, I was in the bathroom taking a, sh I was going to the bathroom <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I was going to the bathroom earlier and I was thinking about the show and I was thinking about um, cathartic release. <clears throat> and then I kind of, my brain made this connection to um, orgasms that when you orgasm, the reason why you make a silly face and, and you get all this is because you're having a cathartic release. It's a biological, yeah. physiological, and psychological cathartic release. And yeah. we have to have those. And that's why people who don't exercise enough, they don't get a cathartic release. They're not getting their endorphins going. They're not getting all that lactic acid out of there. And so they... That's my problem. I don't exercise. Well, no, you exercise at work. You I just, know. by the time you're off work, you're just poop. That's yeah. all. But that cathartic release, you know, I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, yeah, you, you got to, you got to have orgasms, you guys. And you, and if you're not having orgasms, you have to at least be having some kind of cathartic release in the sense that... It could be spiritual, it could be physiological, or it could just simply be psychological. But something has to be happening in your life where you're letting go of the old stuff and bringing in the new. And you kind of compartmentalize your life and continually find value and worth in who you are and value and worth in what you're doing. And when you don't reconcile with those things in a continual turnstile fashion, we have this tendency to collect what? baggage that's right <laughs> what's your thoughts well yeah you just kind of have to constantly <clears throat> reassess things or think about what's happening and yeah let things go that aren't helping you or aren't doing any good for you at the right moment. you mm. can collect garbage mm -hmm. and you, uh we have we all have sentimentality and we collect sentiments and sometimes those sentiments sour when people or things don't live up to our expectations and then we have this tendency to get bitter about it my friend, the chiropractor, and I'm not only using him as a, as a sociological example. I'm not trying to pick on him. He's, he's a good guy. Um, but he has this idea of who he is and who he wants to be in his life. He wants to be a chiropractor. He wants to be a healer. He wants to be these things. He wants to be a good father. He wants to be a family man. And he is all those things. But he holds himself to such a high level that when he's not performing up to par, I think he's having a physiological response to the fact that he's not enjoying it as much as he would like. And then he doesn't kind yeah. of know how to um, take that. You know, it's kind of like some people just get really fucking bitter and tired when, when their sentiments sour, you know, like you could have a friend that you have these love warm sentiments towards, and then maybe they don't call you enough, or maybe something happened in the friendship and then your sentiments sour on that person. And that does what it's spoiled milk. It sours. And that turns yeah. into bitterness. That, And I think sometimes, too, <clears throat> if if what you're living isn't the ideal of what you want it to be, mm -hmm. you can't enjoy it for what it is. You're yes, constantly it's an striving all or nothing for it to mentality. be something else. It's just a sense of idealism. Yeah. When our idealistic um, perceptions of ourself and our life don't live up to par with what we want, we have this tendency to have an all or nothing mentality yeah. of, well, fuck it. I can't be happy until the all these great, yeah, big exactly. idealistic things um, come to fruition. And, and we can't have that mentality because at the end of the day, I mean, we are human beings. You know, we live, 
we learn, we die, and we don't get a say in what happens in the world. We don't get a say in our own health and death. Things aren't going to be perfect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so we kind of almost have to find a sense of uh, flawed to perfection in it all. In other words, um, even when things aren't going your way, you kind of have to wrap your mind around the fact that, well... I'm just going to have to retool. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to do this and this and this. And when you're continually growing and doing that, you're resorting. It's like, you know, Shaun of the Dead. Sort your life out, mate. (laughs) You continually sort your life out in such a way where you're letting go of that which serves no purpose. Um, And then you're continually finding new ways to find your idealism to find to scratch those itches, if you will, to get that cathartic release when you need them. And that's why uh, a baseline of good mental health and a baseline of good physical fitness is important. And that's why I also say a a good sexual life. Uh, You know, I admit, you know, we have gotten pretty bad at uh, day routine sex because we're married. And I think that happens to all couples because, number one, you're just busy. And number two, it's like it almost becomes work. (laughs) <laughs> you get older, yeah. You get older, like, and oh, there's God. just in our situation, it feels like there's a lack of privacy, right? right. So just you know, and that's why sometimes you know you gotta fucking do what you gotta do to get that release, you know. And sometimes that could be a Friday night with your uh, with your lover, or it could be a Tuesday day with yourself. I mean, <laughs> whatever it happens to be. My point is, is and I don't see say that to be vulgar. I, I say it because it's fucking true. At the end of the day, um, mind, body, and soul, you know, we talked about that on the last episode, is that you have to find a way in which you can process all of these things going on simultaneously in your life and arrive at a place of comfort, at a place of happiness, at a place of relaxation. And that's way, way easier said than done. You know, I just woke up today. I was feeling so stressed last week and week before and today i just woke up uh, my normal healthy self and so sometimes it's just a matter of getting a good night's sleep you know yeah that can definitely make a difference yeah it's about identifying the things the factors in your life that you have to change wow okay i'm drinking too much wow okay i'm whatever smoking cigarettes too much yeah modify your life in such a way it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but you kind of like, if you know that there's something messing with your dot, you know, say like me, I, I I'm lactose intolerant and I continually eat ice cream and cheese and then I get uh, gut problems and then I get inflammation from those gut problems and that uh, exacerbates my fibromyalgia. And so there's only so much I can do to, to counter that. I can take ibuprofen. I can take, uh, 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 I take uh, turmeric for inflammation I can take a daily probiotic, and those are the things that help minimize uh, my inflammation and help my uh, gut health. And uh, but at the end of the day, quit eating ice cream, stupid. You know, <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> so I don't eat yeah. ice cream as much. You know. Yeah. And I think a lot of us were just not prepared to do what it takes. Oh, definitely. I know that's my problem with life. Yeah. Well, yeah, we get all these letdowns and we go, fuck it. We hit fuck it. And hey, sometimes that's okay to hit fuck it because that sometimes has that cathartic release. But other times it's um, it's almost like a uh, a slow uh, time bomb in the sense that eventually you're going to um, just uh, suffer at your own devices. It's like my uncle just 
he he is a, a, a sucker, man. He can't. He has no discipline. He can't get his life straight. And now he's in jail. It's like Jesus Christ, dude. All this could have been prevented. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know. Well, and I wanted to specifically talk about being an empath because a lot of people have. A lot of uh, weird understandings of the word. When you identify as an empath, um, there's a lot of empaths who probably don't even know that they're empaths. And then there's some people who just think that you're some hippie weirdo spiritualist. You're into crystals and beads and shit, which I'm not. <laughs> uh, I am. Well, Only that's okay. <laughs> that's okay if you want to embrace that lifestyle because it gives you a sense of fun and and, and whatever. But I just mean to say that you don't necessarily have to go full boat, hippy dippy um, spiritualist yeah. in order to be uh, an energetic empath. Uh, speak to the people, if you could, please, about what being an empath is, how you realize it. Um, because even my friend Jim, the chiropractor, he he listened to one of our episodes. He's like, you know what, dude? I think I'm an empath. I I, I let all these things upset us, and that's what I'm trying to say, you guys, is that. Um, depending on the degree, some people are very strong empaths to the point of almost being psychics or mediums. And some people just have a sense of their surroundings and a sense of control in their surroundings. And so they become very vibey, very vibey to bad vibes, very vibey to things around them. But uh, in your own words, uh, just tell the folks what being an empath is and how you discovered it uh, for you. Yeah, well, it's just it's picking up on things, whether that's like minute facial expressions that most people don't pick up on or just a feeling or yeah. emotions that people are giving off. And I think I didn't realize it until we started this and you started talking about being an empath. And I was like, Oh shit. Maybe that's I what I am. I am. Yeah. 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 Not as strong as you, but definitely. Yeah, okay. and, and it, it's not a contest. It waxes and wanes. Some days it's more than others. Oh, yeah. There's some days where I'm just dead as a stump. Yeah. And other times where I'm just, wow, I can see for miles yeah. and miles. <laughs> I can see for miles. Uh, anyway, hope I don't get a cockroach strike. It was so much like the original song. It was. Song. You're going to definitely <laughs> yeah. get a strike. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And um, at the end of the day, being an empath is about uh, just understanding that you've got something inside of you that uh, allows you to have sort of a, a, a sight beyond sight, that you've got just this kind of understanding of things. You always know when people are lying. You always know when things are off. And that's why yeah. it's been so hard for me in the workplace, because I'm always, I've got this like sense of, we've talked about this on previous episodes, but how weird the world's getting. And you almost have to get used to the weird. And that's what yeah. I don't like about normalization of things that we shouldn't normalize like trumpism and authoritarianism is that you should not normalize that which isn't normal but at the end of the day everything's become so fucking weird that we've almost had to insulate ourselves from that weirdness and <clears throat> as a result us empaths yeah we're in a constant state of weird <laughs> mm -hmm. well yeah like it's uh, sunday at work because we've so first of all First Sunday of the month at a grocery store is always super chaotic. Right. We were understaffed. We have a new assistant manager that it's just not going very well. And just the whole day, I just felt off. Yeah. And then dealing with migraines this weekend and then right. and just being so stressed and so 
off like my sciatica flared up like it was just yeah it was a day and you it were was... having a full energetic sort yeah. of uh implosion if you will yeah it was. well and yeah and that's the thing we also have to understand about our bodies is that psychologically what we're taking in our socialization and the stress and other people and their energies we take that in we internalize that and oftentimes that becomes physiological and then physiological, um, we have a physiological reaction to the psychological stresses of our social world. And so as an yeah. empath, we're constantly in a state of flux and trying to find that balance. Because, I, And I think that's probably typical of a lot of people, but more so for sensitives. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're always, always trying to find a physiological, psychological, and um, perhaps intellectual sense of balance in our life and it's hard to attain especially when everything flares you up everything gets you um triggered or something like that mm -hmm. we have to really learn tools not to let everything trigger us yeah and definitely. it's hard because they and, are our natural inclination is to get yeah and that day at work there was just there was no no saving it there's right. gonna happen no matter well and what, that's just so. it. It, it being an empath is not a magic power it doesn't make you immune to anything. Um, we do have to learn blocking and filtering. And that's what I mean about sad guru is that he was talking about, we all sort of get our sense of validation and worth as being one gear in the greater machine that is this world, this life. Um, but sometimes we have to realize our own independence, um, a sense of detachment from the whole. In other words, uh, we, we got to really stop being so interconnected sometimes because it's the only way we're going to sort of find a way uh, into better mental health. You know what yeah, I mean? Definitely. You have to disconnect sometimes. Yeah. It's, that's what I did when I came home. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do on all my days off basically. Well, and that, <laughs> that's why I don't, you know, I don't hold people to other people's expect, you know, I don't hold people to my expectations like, Oh, I'm in a good mood. So I'm going to talk, 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 talk and make everybody else go mad no, if I sense that you need some time and space, I will give that time and space, usually implicitly without even talking about it, because I'm not the kind of person that demands other people's attention. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to come correct with what's, you know, are you the kind of person that push pushes others into what you want? Are you a manipulative person emotionally? Or are you the kind of person that can give people the space they sometimes require? And um you know, and I've always been a realist, too. Um, I don't know how many conversations I've had with bosses and employers over the years, but I'm pretty sure I've had at least three change their life because of something I said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the first one, I was working at Fatty's Pizza, and uh, I said to my boss, Steve, I go, you're always an asshole, aren't you? He's like, what? You can't talk to your <laughs> boss that way. I'm like, no, I just mean to say you're always stressed out, and you're always uptight, and I know you're a gozillionaire by now. Why don't you just retire, dude? We would be happier. You would be happier. And I, I say I say that out of love because I think you're a good guy, but you turn into an asshole as soon as you get inside this door. I'm like, just you make enough money. You don't need to be here. What's going on? And within two weeks, man, he was out. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Retired. Done. All right. That was yeah. that was one example. Mm -hmm. uh, and and sometimes it's it's just having conversations with people and being blunt. I mean, I had this one boss just getting on my case. I wasn't feeling good. This was at Lowe's. And 
I just said, uh, hey, can you do me a favor and get out of my face? And he's like, huh? Like, you're not allowed to talk that way, right? right? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I wasn't feeling good. It's like, Jesus Christ, can you please just quit hovering over my shoulder? And sure enough, dude, he let me alone and I did really well. And, and that's the thing. I, I don't recommend everybody behave like me. Uh, you might get fired. But but for me, it works because I have a, a sense of wisdom, as a sense of a humor and a sense of sort of silly heart. Uh, that that comes with that, and if you say it in the right tone, people are like, yeah. "Oh, oh, oh, I see. You're trying to get me to chill. Got it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean." And so, yeah. what I can't I can't give you guys exact advice on how to behave around others, but I will say that when you embrace your inner silly heart and you grow and you learn and you grow wise, I mean, I can't help but think about like we're watching Star Trek: The Next Generation right now, and um, the character Guinan. From 10 forward. She's the bartender there. And she's so much more than just a bartender. She's oh, yeah. she's a wise, she's relaxed a second, old soul. Second ship's counselor. Exactly. And she's so good and she's so wise. And um, that's when you know when somebody is a, as serious and, and, and diligent as uh, Captain Picard goes to Guinan for support when she knows nothing about Federation procedure. Well, I'm sure she knows some, but I mean, mm -hmm. but she's not a fucking, she's, she's not at all uh, in the federation she doesn't have rank none of that yeah. she doesn't follow the federation guidelines other than uh she's just a wide, wise old soul and, and because she's so old she's ancient she kind of has a yoda quality about her but notice that all the people in life who are the happiest are the most calm the most still the most confident and comfortable with themselves that's what it's about yeah it definitely is just yeah. sitting and being still and yeah, just being. And sometimes a it's a need to if, you, if you can't find it in yourself. Sometimes it's about emulating it in those you love, or mm -hmm. just even a character on TV. You find your sense of calm. You find your sense of peace, and uh, perhaps fake it till you make it. Yeah, and then if you're definitely. having physiological excitability, anxiousness, nervousness, uh, what do you think folks can do about that? I mean, uh, I I will tell you what I think, but in your mm -hmm. words, what do you think we could do to Sort of find that, uh, you know, comfort and joy when we're being bombarded by all these thoughts and feelings of anxiety and worry and nervousness. Yeah. Well, you just have to stop. Like, whether that just be in the middle of a crazy day, just stopping and taking a breath and stopping and breathing, right? Or, 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. 10 second rule. And then for me, like, <clears throat> when I'm at home, like, reading does it for me. Yeah, because it, I think reading, because you're reading it in your own voice, it's so much different than, it uses a different part of our brain than when we are receiving information. In other words, I've noticed your reading comprehension is way stronger than your listening comprehension. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and that's yeah. because it uses a different part of your brain. And it's mm -hmm. probably a part of your brain that you've exercised more because you're a natural reader ever yeah. since you were a small child. And so. And I think being an introvert, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Voices coming at me just kind of set me on edge, I think, right, a little bit just right. from the get-go, just yeah. because it's and when coming you're, at me. <laughs> yeah, and when you're reading, you're reading in your own internal dialogue, yeah. and, and that probably has a sense of centering. Mm -hmm. You're centering and regrouping and finding that little uh, quiet space inside your own soul. Yeah, you know? definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I kind of want to put all of this that I said into real terms in our own personal life, because, you know, right now, 
you know, the truck isn't starting. We're going to have to write Chevy and hope that they help us. And if they don't, we're going to have to probably come to terms with that. We don't have the finances to pay for the thing that needs replacing because there's a part in our vehicle that's not even supposed to be there. And so that's one thing that stresses us out. The other thing is, is um, you know, after this uh, season is over, I'm going to be heading on over to uh, YouTube to do the Chef Bright Comedy YouTube channel. And uh, I guess I just don't feel like I'm in the right place or the right headspace yet because of finances, right? And then you're kind of pulling on me a little bit to, you know, get this going, get that going, doing this. And I, hey, I have no problem with getting a part-time job. But I, what I mean to say is, is that sometimes things feel unsettled, unfinished. And yeah. when we're not getting our way, <clears throat> we're in this state of loss, the state of grief, the state of feeling uh, imbalance or uh, unease, you know? And so right now, and then of course there's my mom, she's going through a uh, cancer treatment. She just finished her chemo and radiation therapy. And uh, she was supposed to have surgery uh, this month, June 20th. And she called to have it um, postponed. So we don't know yet when it's going to be, mm -hmm. but it won't be this month. Yeah. And, and I'm actually glad for that because I'm not really ready yet. Uh, the reason why she's doing it is because she wants to uh, go to physical therapy because she has um, hip and, uh, you know, she has fibromyalgia and she has problems walking. And she wants to get her uh, physical therapy going so that she can, she's walking on the treadmill, but she wants to try to find exercises and ways and modalities to help her feel better so that she can walk without pain and um, actually walk enough to actually make some appreciable difference in her cardio so that when she has yeah. her surgery, she feels strong and she feels good to go. But, um, but my point is, is that I am just at this, in this weird place. I have physiological stress. I have psychological stress. Uh, some of the ways that I'm treating my body to cope with those stresses aren't always ideal either. So that then means of changing your diet or changing mm -hmm. some of your libations or at least the frequency of those libations. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, I'm just in this place where I'm like, Brian, if you want to feel happy, you're going to have to get right. And then you have to start thinking about it really deeply about what is it you have to get right. Um, usually, like I said, um, most people don't have a sense of self-awareness in the moment. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, And so how can you, how can we, babe, do you think, how can we find uh, answers to our mortal toils that are fucking with us right now so it's useful so that we don't have to learn later on after it's all said and done? I don't know. <laughs> well that's I the end of our show thank right. you guys have a good no, <laughs> no i think just you, you just have to kind of <clears throat> sometimes you just have to search for things and sometimes just keeping an open mind and being open to new information mm -hmm. and something will trickle through that kind of hits the chord and you're like oh okay yeah. that's it yeah and i think it's a constant state of growth it's a constant state of uh, you're accumulating, you're accumulating uh, material things, you're accumulating psychological things, whether it be good or bad, you're accumulating uh, stress, you're, you're not getting any younger, you're always constantly getting a little older. And that's why I say with fitness and mental health, um, you know, you should always try to be in a state of 
slowly getting better rather than slowly getting worse. Because one day you might slowly get worse to the point where you realize, wow, I have a fucking drug problem or wow, yeah. I have an alcohol problem or wow, I have some pretty unhealthy coping mechanisms. So I think a lot of it is just having the self-awareness to not let yourself get to fucked in the head frankly yeah definitely yeah just keeping yeah self-awareness i don't know how else to put it yeah and then you have to reset and continually have the discipline to actually you know impose these new rules this discipline in your life to make better choices in the moment that have a sort of a cascade effect of a net gain if you will than a net loss because yeah yeah i mean if you're just a naturally nervous person I can't tell you what to do. That's your physiological response to your surroundings. All I can say is, is that perhaps you've, you're taking in something in your body that's giving you that. It could be diet soda and aspartame. Uh, it could be uh, some kind of stimulant. Maybe you're drinking too much coffee. Whatever it might be, at the end of the day, you know you. And at the end of the day, you have to figure out this little mystery. How do I get through whatever it is I'm going through and then actually have the discipline and the self-awareness to make the change. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's that. And that's the hard part. That's the hard that's part. The very hard part. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see it's a problem, but yeah. Well, and it depends easy. on how big of a problem is. If, if it's just giving you a little bit of, you know, like my ice cream eating, if it's just giving you a little bit of intestinal problems and you're getting farty and you're getting a little bit inflamed, but it's not a huge, huge problem. Huh, okay, maybe it's something you could live with, but uh, maybe not because there might be at the end of the road something that's going on in your gut down there that's going to get worse if you don't mm-hmm. change. So, so we have to react to pain and discomfort in a way where we recognize why it's there and to take the appropriate action to get there. Yeah. And most Absolutely. people just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I get and it's it. It's not comfortable. I don't always want to do it either. Yeah. Oh, I, I am great at self-delusion. It's it's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. But at the end of the day, if we want to grow, we have to start reconciling with that which we refuse to get uh, straight in our heads. Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to kind of talk more about the empath thing, because I think a lot of people, they either mock it, make fun of it, or they are it, and they don't know how to deal with it. So at the uh, end of the day, babe, through... um. Your the last couple of years of being on the podcast and working your job, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, because there's things that are gripping on you, like your parents living down in California, not being able to see them enough. They're getting older. That's a constant strain, a constant stressor in your life. How, as an empath, have you learned to sort of, um, I don't know, reset and feel good again? I think just by finding the little things that I can do to take my mind off of things. Just like my reading, my cross stitch, my yeah, you know, phone games, Facebook, just just little things to not think about reality. Well, take you out of it for a little and, bit. And I think everybody is different in the sense that some people are very ambitious. Some people have to have perfect fitness. They're putting all these strains on themselves, um, and a lot of times that uh, may have a an a, an effect of. A positive effect in the long term because it's making their fitness good it's it's giving them career um you know motivation etc but at the, also at the same time it's giving them this sense that if they were to ever lose those things they may not have the character 
to endure the loss, that identity loss from a change in their life. So what do you suppose people, because like, and I, how do I say this right? You're not the... You're not like Mr. Career Ambitious anymore. Maybe you were at one time. I never have been. No? Okay. No, but I, and I and, and that's okay. But my point is, is that how do people who have the constant strain and pressure to succeed and to always be perfect, how can these people lighten up and sort of, I don't know, enjoy the, the imperfection of imperfect health, imperfect finances? Mm-hmm. How can we people who are always striving for the perfect ideal, how can they sort of make do with what they currently have? I don't honestly know. I mean, because I never have felt like that, that overriding like need for stuff. But yeah. I think you just have to take a step back and just stop for a minute yeah. and look at what you do have and appreciate yes. what you do have. And that's exactly it because I've always been an ambitious person and I got to the point where my fitness was so important that when I didn't do it, I got pent up. I got anxious. And now I'm at a point where that's no longer the case. But that took me having to realize that, Brian, you don't have to have perfect fitness. Um, Yes, fitness is still a mainstay in my life. It's still important. It's still a priority. But, uh, you know, I allow myself to gain a little bit of weight. I allow myself... My six-pack abs to disappear once in a while. <laughs> I just mean to say that um, at the end of the day, um, we we almost have to embrace, uh, you know, the happiness that we're feeling in the moment for a greater sense of accomplishment in the long term. Um, because yeah, a lot of people nowadays aren't finding their perfect job. They're not finding their perfect career. They're not getting to their perfect fitness goals. So I, I don't know, without turning into a lazy bum, how do we find a sort of balance where we can still care about these things mm-hmm. and regroup, but not to the point where we actually start changing the impetus of and drive in our own uh, hearts? Yeah, I think sometimes people just have to allow themselves to be happy with where they are because sometimes i think people push themselves so hard that they're like mm. i'm never going to be happy unless this this and this and just kind of have to be like wait a minute <clears throat> create a- i can't not be happy the rest of my life if i'm not reaching this perfection right and i have to be happy and i have to allow myself some joy in other things so how do we let that joy in yeah. while letting go of some of these uh, things some of these motivations that are constantly permeating your mm-hmm. brain making you feel less than if you don't accomplish it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I I think that's a lot of people nowadays because the world right now is going to shit. I mean, I hate to say that, but it is, I mean, uh, and, and, and frankly, if, if I can be real here for a minute, it's always sort of been capitalism doesn't give a fuck about us, you guys. So failure is always an option and it probably will happen hundreds of times if not thousands of times in your life and so at the end of the day we can't look at each failure as a life ending thing we almost have to look at it like kind of like uh have you heard the the saying uh thomas edison uh invented the light bulb he tried nine he failed 99 times but on that hundredth time he succeeded and so at the end of the day you almost kind of have to look at life as a constant reset 
as a constant fluid thing so that you realize that, um, you know, you're juggling your health, you're juggling your thoughts, you're juggling your psychological needs. Uh, you're, you're, and, and if something isn't working, you have to adjust accordingly. And if you let something go too long, yeah, you might implode or something might get you triggered or, or you might give up or whatever. But I think it really boils down to knowing yourself. I personally yeah. just don't care about corporate success anymore. I used to be that work a 40 hour a week job at a, at a restaurant or work a 40 plus hour a week job uh, doing this or that. And sometimes it was retail. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, and whatever it's I've had a number of jobs where I was just Mr. Go, go, go. And when I realized that I couldn't live at that pace anymore, that breakneck pace, um, I think that's kind of what happened to my mom. You know, my mom worked a 40 hour a week job for 40 plus years. And when she retired, I don't think she, you know, cause she spent most of her weekends hanging with friends or uh, resting and recuperating. And by the time she was retired, I don't think she really knew herself. And mm -hmm. it's like, mom, who are you? <laughs> yeah. And that's why happen. sometimes I get on her because I want her to understand this life is precious. You better start enjoying yourself before it's too late. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Go on vacation, get that bucket list going, do some traveling, you know, and the, of course she's her, her famous last words are always, well, I can't afford it. And I get that. I get that. So what can people do who are trying to achieve this, um, you know, adventurous sense of self, but just don't have the finances to do it the way they would like to do it in the ideal. How can those people yeah. still find some comfort and clarity and purpose in their sense of trying to achieve adventure and a fun life? Yeah. How do you, how do you suppose they could do that? You just have to find the smaller things that'll kind of scratch that itch a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to make it to Europe. Well, I can take a little drive to the coast. I can <laughs> yeah. just... The little things. You can go find new things in your town that you haven't seen. Yeah. The next town over. Just little, smaller, well, bite-sized pieces. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that movie with Jim Carrey. It was called Yes Man, where he had to say yes to everything that that was suggested to him. And so he was skydiving and doing all these crazy things. He couldn't say no. Like, that was the point of the movie is he couldn't say no. And, and so... I think a lot of us, we, we, especially as we get older, we just close doors and I'm yeah. comfortable with some of those closed doors. Cause I don't want to go back through some of those doors, but, right. but at the same time, I I feel like we have to find some sense of fun and adventure in this life. Even if you're broke, how can we do that? How can we be the yes man when we're just so set in our ways and we're so knowledgeable of the fact that uh, we don't, really need to get out a lot or we don't really care about being around people all the time how can those folks find still a sense of clarity purpose and joy and uh, still go out and do stuff and have a fun life just taking little steps i think outside of your comfort zone or yeah what you think you need to be doing those little like, wins yeah mm -hmm. i think you're right i think you're right doing something anything outside of what you usually do will help remap your brain and remap and turn yeah. your life. Sure. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I mean, one of my friends and I were both total homebodies, introverted, and maybe once a year we'll get out and go to the next town over and go to Michael's or something. And it's like, wow, that was really fun. Why don't we but do that, this right? more? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. Well, and we empaths 
deal with a little bit more emotional sensitivity than most. Uh, there's usually anxiety and depression that comes along with that. And I've just learned because, yes, I do get depressed. I do get depression. And some days I just I'm incorrigible. I can't get out of it. So I have to kind of let it, you know, come through me and then pass. But it's not as intense as it used to be. You know, I think yeah, the problem with absolutely. so many people is that when they get this feeling, um, they get this drive. It's like my friend, the chiropractor, when he get when he sours on something or someone, it's so profound of a feeling for him that he just can't take no for an answer. And so what can those people who are souring on life and souring on uh, their job and souring on friends, what can they do to sort of uh, mitigate their expectations and perhaps uh, find a new perspective when it comes to um, just holding themselves and others to too high of a standard? I think it's just taking a step back mm -hmm. and like, okay, well, I don't need things to be that perfect. And that's going to yeah. make it easier on people around me. It's going to make it easier on myself. Yeah. Just looking at things from a different perspective, I think sometimes helps, which is hard, but yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to set boundaries. You know, some people are better for us than others. I think that we have to compartmentalize our life in such a way where, um, you know, if you know you're not calling certain people enough, call them. Um, but uh, don't hold them accountable when they don't call you. And that's the problem with friendships. I get friends that get pissed off at me when I don't call them. It's like, well, I don't see you picking up the phone either <laughs> exactly, there, fella. Right? Like, yeah. So there has to be sort of a, 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 a quid what's the word quid <laughs> pro quo <laughs> a quid pro quo about it right right there has to be a squid pro row about it as austin powers would say is that we have to be just as loving and gentle to others as we have to be to ourselves. and sometimes you have to turn that around and be as gentle to yourself as you are to other people right yes exactly because yeah um uh we're natural people pleasers oftentimes they care they they put too much on themselves. And then when they start to get out of balance, they, you know, it's like plate splits. It's like juggling or something or plate spinning where things get out of hand and everything crashes and burns. And then uh, from the ashes, they just kind of become a different person. They give up. And instead of doing that, uh, they should probably just, you know, set boundaries and limits on what they can and can't achieve. Because yeah. as we get older, we don't want to be as, highly achieving as we used to be mm -hmm. speak about that well yeah you get tired you get old and tired stop giving <laughs> just, a shit <laughs> yeah, exactly things that were important to you when you're younger you kind of sometimes realize it's not as important it's not as such of a big deal it's yeah. not worth killing yourself to over get to yeah yeah well what would you say to people who just can't find their inner humor their inner silly heart how can these people, because usually they're plagued with anxieties, yeah. usually they're plagued with feeling triggered over politics and Trump, which I don't blame because fuck him. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to live in this world. And so how can we, you know, like Sadhguru says, how do we isolate ourselves and unplug from the constant social machine that keeps us plugged in and triggered to all this horse shit? Well, I was just going to say unplug. Just yeah. literally unplug from the the news and the serious stuff. Yeah, pop in a funny movie, 
Yeah. Look at some funny memes. Just read something funny. Yeah. You literally sometimes just have to unplug from the serious stuff. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is, is that we're chug, chug, chugging along at a certain frequency and then things stop working for us, whether it be a friendship that's going south, whether it be some medication that we're taking or whether it be a fitness program that's just not gain yielding results. At the end of the day, the hardest thing in life is to have the perspective to stop and go, hmm, something's not working here. Let me adjust accordingly. Yeah. Why is it so fucking hard for us human beings to change? And why yeah. do we fear change so much? I think you just get comfortable, whether it's yeah. comfortable in things that are bad for you, comfortable in things that are good for you. It's just easy to just stay in a rut. Yeah. Because it doesn't take any extra yeah. effort. Whether yeah. it's good for you or bad for you, you just kind of keep going, I think, sometimes. And... Yeah, totally. I, I think you're right. Well, talking about mental health, babe, how is your mental health these days? You know, we we kind of hit a fever pitch last week because we were both stressed out. We were both sort of uh, exhausted. You're tired of not enough money coming in. And I get it, man. But, you know, that's why I showed you that YouTube channel that of lost in the pond is like he's not living a perfect life and uh his wife has to deal with his personality and his ways as much as he has to also become a breadwinner and a bread earner and there was a time in his life i was trying to show you that where he wasn't bringing in the money and now that he's doing well on youtube uh it's become a different story but but that's like with me trying to balance my dream of becoming a voice artist and a podcaster and a youtuber uh, with the uh, realities that uh, not enough money is coming in, uh, mm -hmm. but we we had a kind of a little blowout. We talked about it. We 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 kind of figured out who we what we need to do uh, about that and how we need to uh, sort of sort that out. And then, um, but then if we don't find results two, three, four weeks or months down the road, are we going to be right back where we started? So how do right. we, you know, uh, process that? Of course. That would mean some of the things that we said we're going to do, we actually do. But what do yeah. we do if those things don't change? <laughs> Just keep working on it. Yeah. And know that it will someday. Yeah. And it's not yeah. an overnight well, thing. Well, I can't help that I want to be a voice artist and a comedian. It's it's a part of who I am. It's a part of what I want to do. And it's so much more than just wanting to make money. It's wanting to have a, a career that makes me feel natural and myself, uh, I just often as an empath, don't feel like myself in a regular job. And it has nothing yeah. to do with, oh, I'm too good for that. No, it's just that being around these fucking dummies, beer swilling, football watching, non-empath dummies, sorry, is <laughs> <laughs> just fucking hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it and depends that's, on which, what situation you get yourself into because, well the, yeah. the social part of the job for me was always harder than the actual hardness of the job itself and that's what i when i started to realize what is it about you brian are you just unbelievably shy no what is it that makes these jobs so socially awkward and socially weird for you and i realized it it was because i'm an empath and i sense things that i shouldn't and i know things that i'm not supposed to know and and, and I'm, when i'm around regressive or backwards or strange or weird people and not that good weird a bad weird when i'm around that uh it gives me a sense of 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 l lack of control a lack of 
happiness. Yeah. I start to feel like, uh, I don't know, like I feel like a prisoner. Like I, I feel like, what's the point? Like a machine could do this job. Why am I doing this when I could go off and do something cool and creative and fun that's going to yeah. make a real appreciable difference in other people's lives? We can create and build a better life out there. And instead, I'm working at Target. <laughs> yeah. You know? I know. I know. I so do. what... A, what about those souls? What do they do? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Well, Rebecca doesn't got any more advice for you, so we're going to stop the show. <laughs> right. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, no, exactly. Not everything is so cut and dry. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, just... and that's the thing is you could, you know, and that's a problem sometimes I have with the Jay Shetties of the world, these Tony Robbins of the world. You're already rich, fucker. It's easy to be perfect. Oh, my God. Speak about that. How do we not hold ourselves to these influencers and these influences out there that are constantly just rattling their cage about perfection in a way that just feels overly white and uptight? And we're just like, good grief. Settle down, rich guy. What is it with these people? Are they really trying to help us or are they just trying to live their best life of feeling perfect? I think for most of them, it's just kind of their way of, they they cloak it as trying to help you, but it's really their way of saying, look, see how much better I am than you? Yeah, exactly. It feels like that. It like, does. And how are you, I mean, when you have a rich person telling you that money can't buy happiness or money doesn't change everything, right. oh, fuck off. You don't know. If you didn't have that, you'd be exactly where we are. Yeah. It's just, it's coming from a place of privilege well exactly and most of most of these influencers who are doing well right now were born into it yeah some form of wealth now i give a little bit more credit to the ones that started out in humble beginnings and then worked their way into financial success Mm -hmm. um but i don't think that's tony robbins and i don't think that's jay shetty i think there's a good many people who just started off doing all right you know that's like uh microsoft guy what's his name uh you know yeah, Bill Gates. Bill Gates started off in an upper middle class family in in the Seattle area, went to a private school, and had all of the makings for the life that he was then granted. The he, yeah. he got the right education. He was in the right set of circumstances, and therefore, uh, he he got there. And 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 that reminds me of a video we watched on uh, Thoughty. It's Thoughty too. Mm-hmm. It's on yeah. YouTube. It's T H O U G H T Y two because his name is 42 and I won't go into why, but he does a lot of thoughtful videos about, you know, life and success. And he was saying that luck is almost as important as skill these days. And that's yeah. why for me, I'm not a, a pessimist, but I do have this overwhelming sense of understanding that, Starting a new job, doing this, doing that is going to go fucking nowhere. Speak about that. How do we not talk ourselves out of starting and trying new things when we know it's going to be (laughs) mediocrity? That's the difficult part. I mean, yeah, just have to maybe go into it knowing it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to help a little bit. Yeah. Improve things somewhat. And And what you're willing to put up with in order to have a little bit more money coming Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, God damn, it's almost not worth it to me to go work a job and get stressed out and triggered by all these people that frankly, I don't fucking like. And it's nothing against, I love people. I just don't like being around regular Mm -hmm. people. It's kind of like, 
it's kind of akin to like I call it gen pop. You know, like in in jail, there's there's jails where you you're off and sequestered from people, and then there's gen pop where you just hang out with all of the weirdos and scuzzbags, and that's what it feels like to me because I do have a fairly high IQ and I do have a culinary degree and I I am very much an ambitious and intelligent person, but when you go out there with the average people, it almost feels like, you know, like uh, the Matrix, where he's like, it, uh, it's it's infecting me. It's your it's your smell. You know, he's Mr. Anderson. He's talking about how people just have a funk and a smell, and it's it's infecting you. It almost feels like when you're around regular, average, fucked up people, it infects you. And I I know mm-hmm. that sounds awful, but but it's because their mentalities are fucked up. Yeah. Trump supporters and weirdos and just a bunch of unread morons. How do we exist around these people? You just have to kind of put up your inner shields and try not to let it affect you. Because, yeah, yeah it's, it gets fucking hard some days. Well, and don't get me wrong. And then you find uh, a handful of people that you work with who yeah. kind of like, oh, they're they have a cute little personality. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like yeah, that. And, and then you learn say, to grow friendships. But Yeah, there are good ones. And even, you know, like working at the store there's you you try to concentrate on the good customers because there's a lot of them right and you just don't have you try not to let the bad ones get to you because well and i think yeah and i think all people have what's called a negativity bias it's we're programmed to be hateful to to feel negativity towards a bad experience we have 10 times more likelihood of sharing that negative experience with people than uh, that one time when we had a good experience. And so we're all humans. We're all sick and tired of the state of things, blah, blah, blah. And as a result, a lot of times we just never quite find our inner happiness and comfort. And so it's not about being like when I hang out with regular people, I'm not saying that I'm so perfect. I'm sure I'm a pain in the ass to them too, but what I mean to say is is that, you know, when you know that you deserve and need a little bit more for yourself, you need that spiritual and intellectual enrichment and you can't find it because you're in rural Oregon. There's a lot of people like that. I know a lot of people. I I just looked up a girl that I went to school with and uh, I found her. She's in New York City. And... Mm -hmm. It, it made perfect sense because she was a very intelligent, sophisticated woman, kind of like your sister, that needs more than the bohunk averageness of the small town they grew up in. Speak mm. on that. Well, yeah, some people are just like that. I mean, my sister, when she was in California, she ended up down in Los Angeles and Long Beach. And now that she's up here, she's in Portland. And yeah. she just needs... And if she was here in this town, she'd be losing her hair. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) she just needs to go to restaurants and go to shops. Culture. Culture. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I'm more of an introvert. and Yeah, and I don't lack culture. Mm -hmm. I just know the pretense of it. I grew up in the restaurants, and so I know the the, the fakeness of culture is that I need need culture. I like culture, but Mm -hmm. I also understand real culture from a bunch of hoity-toity bullshit mm-hmm. because as a chef i i was a part of creating that culture <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean exactly yeah but and we but we all that's my point though is that we all have 
certain needs that just are inalienable that we can't separate ourselves from. Yeah. How do we? And then when we do need the little bit of culture, we go an hour and a half up the road and go to Portland. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. It's just knowing yourself and what you need and trying to put yourself in that situation or as close to that situation as you can. Yeah. And that's a good place to start. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you might not have the choice to move to a big city and, and, and have that towny life that you've always dreamt of. I mean, there was a time in my life, in my 20s, where I wanted to live in a, a, a downtown, uh, you know, a high rise and live that sort of artsy fartsy cultured life and then uh somewhere down the line it just total opposite happened right yeah <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh but i think it's because i grew up in humble roots and i grew up not not lacking culture but there wasn't a lot of it around we were in a small town my grandparents were meat and potatoes people and so i desired i craved culture and that's why i went to culinary school but then after that uh i started to realize the hoity-toity bullshittery of living on the Central Coast and San Luis Obispo, California, and all these places. Nothing against the people. Uh, it's just that the, it's got an air of fucking constantly rich, just top-down economics, constantly having to make rich people happy. And uh, they're always, they're the Karens. They're constantly yelling and whining. And, and so after a while, you just go, good grief. It's not worth living here anymore because mm-hmm. you're broke and you're trying to live on their lifestyle on their terms when yeah. they're making 18 times as much money as you so to speak yeah. on that how do we especially californians and people living in a rich fancy place how do if we get we enjoy some of it the restaurants the culture the cuisine and whatnot but um but when you're only earning 16 17 dollars an hour <clears throat> comes a time where you just want to slap these fools. Talk about that. Well, I think that's why, especially like where we're from, so many people have moved away because yeah. there's no keeping up with it. And the ones that are there, they just kind of look foolish to me because you know they're not making that kind of money or living that kind of life, but they try to project that and yeah. pretend that that's what they are and who they right. are. Right, and there was kind of this like, um, I remember with your friend Maureen, the way she sort of tried to emulate Mary because Mary was, you know, a, a, a PA, a physician's assistant, and she made better money. And she came from rich stock to begin with. And, yeah. and Maureen was broke like us. Uh, and I almost felt like this sense of emulation. Speak on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, some people do that. And she's now looking at her Facebook and I haven't talked to her in years, but she's gotten away mm-hmm. from that. She's moved to North County, and she's just kind of living more of a country type of life. Which is perfect for her, exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, I think some people, a lot of people down there, you kind of feel forced into it because you feel like you want to fit in. Yeah. You feel like you have to act a certain way or be a certain way in order for people to like you or respect you. or. Well, and that's why I don't speak to my friends down there all that much. It's not that they've turned or become bad or anything, but... They're so used to that horseshit that I don't even think they're consciously aware of how it's sort of changed their taste or changed yeah. their, their attitudes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Some people don't even realize they're doing it. They're, they're still good people, but mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. There's something about it that I, I it just, I think it's regressive. Trying to keep up with rich people when you're not rich is no way to live your life. And that's what yeah. I mean about progress. 
how can you identify progressiveness and progress um, in a world where you where it's been around you since birth? And <laughs> in other words, we have to have a, a, an understanding of what regression and regressiveness is. Mm-hmm. What what what? How can people understand their rights and understand their values and to identify? regressive traits that we should be trying to improve in our culture, not perpetuate, not just wealth inequality, but everything Mm -hmm. uh, that's unjust or regressive. You just have to open your eyes and try to educate yourself. I mean, some Mm -hmm. people just don't see it no matter what. And other people, you just kind of be aware of your surroundings and what's happening. And yeah, well, it's like we, we have a friend from Oklahoma, uh, Idris. Hi, Idris. We love you. She's a sweet, sweet gal. And she's, she identifies as a witch. She practices spells and she practices rituals and things. Um, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't live, she doesn't have a cult. Well, I get, she might have a cauldron, but I don't think she's like, she's a modern witch, right? She kind of practices the Wicca spells. Innate, innate kind of naturalistic spiritualism and things like that, which I'm fine with. Um, but uh, but she lives in Oklahoma and she doesn't follow politics, and that's why I'm always showing her some of the fucked up regressive shit. Like just right now, I mean, there's a fucking school system that is trying to use public funds for an online Christian academy, mm-hmm. and 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 some people don't even know what's regressive and that's what i mean is how can you better the world and become more altruistic and uh equal and balanced if we can't even identify what's wrong with capitalism speak about that some people won't they're just going to be in their little (coughs) bubble and talk to the same people and not branch out and that's that's where they stay and that's why we get regressive politicians and people because they just they don't know any better. Well, that's why when whenever we have an election, I'm always like, how are we getting these centrists and independents? How can you not be taking a side with everything we know? I just, it I almost know. feels like ignorance to me. How can you oh, not be on one side or the other? Ignorance. It's absolutely yeah. ignorance. And yet they're the ones that always decide the fucking elections. I know. <laughs> I, I, because yeah. I don't understand how you could just be so, eh, not have an opinion about everything that's going on i mean you must be able to see the absolute fascist autocracy authoritarian uh tyranny that's that's infecting parts of this country um and all we want to do is put out those fires so that we continue and can maintain uh, peace and order and civility the problem is a lot of people see it and they like it yeah. So they keep it going because that's it makes them feel good. What do you think that is? I think it's I think when it's poor people that are going along with this stuff, they they feel downtrodden and they feel bad about things and makes them feel better to kind of hobnob with yeah. the wealth, mm-hmm. the wealthy agendas. Yeah, even though those people would spit on them if they were near In real them, life, but it yeah. feels like there's people that are that they feel like they, they can like step punching down, down just yeah. like and kicking down just like uh, just like wealthy people do. They yeah. kick down as well. They're kicking people at their own level, even though... Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Fox News does. That's what I mean. If if you're listening to Fox News, uh, you're, you're on the wrong path, brother, because you don't understand how they're manipulating you from reason, from yeah. being able to identify what's fucking regressive and wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. And that's what I mean is that, you know, you don't have to like... 
or identify with the liberal agenda or the progressive politics, um, but don't make it turn you into the, the something worse. It's like, oh, well, I don't like woke culture, therefore I'm a conservative. Okay, fine, but if you don't like regressive fucked up bullshit or you don't like corporate corporatist jobs and low wages, uh, somewhere in their cultural identity, they need to realize that Democrats are trying to create a life and lifestyle for the middle class. And yet these fools, these idiots, these numbskulls, they just continually fight for the wealth agendas. And yeah, like you said, it sounds like it feels to, to us like, like they're just trying to hobnob with the rich. Yeah. Foolish. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they get yeah. so tied up in the social politics, the social policies that they fail to see that these people's agendas are not going to raise wages or improve infrastructure. Speak about that. Yeah, they're just not paying attention. Why do they get all riled up about things they think they care about rather than the things they should care about? Like, oh, I don't know, better jobs, better pay, better treatment from our corporate-style jobs or something like that. Because that's what they're told. Yeah. Mm. They just watch these sources that tell them how to feel and they don't want to think, so they just take that in and take it as what's real. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I never thought of myself as a genius or an intelligent person until I started seeing how dumb some people are. And I'm like, huh, wow, okay. And so you kind of come to terms with, well, you are smarter than average, and that's okay. And uh, there's no ego in that. But good grief, I I just I can't understand uh, how, you know, we were watching Lost in the Pond, and he was talking about the great, disparity between rich and poor in america it's not it doesn't exist as much in other parts of the world speak about that i mean even he sees it he's like you know he knows that it's there and yet it just feels like americans are just the least equipped to know how to i don't know solve that problem yeah well i think it's partly that there's some people they're just convinced that they're gonna be that someday so they vote for policies that help those people. Right. Like, well, I'm going to be in that class one day, so I'm going to vote for things to help them, even though Ugh. I'm never going to be that You're way. never going to get there. Nothing that I'm voting for is ever going to help me. Yeah. But someday, and right. it's just this disconnect between yeah. reality and... And it, and it seems like right-wingers nowadays are always fucking angry. What mm-hmm. is that? Because they're being told to be that way. They're outraged by everything. Ooh, the green M&M changed shoes. So fucking what? Oh, my God. It's just when you have people yelling at you from your TV screen all day and telling you you need to be mad and this is what you need to be mad at. They just... Well, they feel like their country's being taken from them, and yet they're the ones that are trying to take our fucking freedoms from us. Mm -hmm. And how do they not see that? Oh, my God. They're just not paying attention. Yeah, I just... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's going to be a kind of a liberal wave where people are going to wake up to the totalitarianistic ways of these right-wing fascist weirdos? I hope so. Christo-fascists, as yeah. Brian Tyler Cohen calls them, I Christo-fascism. I really hope so. I honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's odd. Mm-hmm. But I really want to kind of redirect and get back to the whole empath part of this because... At the end of the day, um, there's a lot of people who don't understand what being an empath is. Uh, perhaps they're afraid to call themselves an empath because, you know, they're afraid people are going to mock them or make fun of them. 
a lot of people think it's pseudoscience when we've proven the science of it. Uh, I've done episodes in season one where we talk about the mechanics of, of, of being an empath. It's just a heightened sense of motor neuro. You have motor neurons. It's called mirror motor neurons. And you have um, either more of them or more active mo- mirror motor neurons that help you implicitly understand things around you. And it, you, it helps you pick up on vibes. It helps you pick up on people's motives, whether people are uh, being genuine or lying to you, or to what extent you can trust their loyalty, how deep the well goes of friendship. Um, it, it's a very good bullshit-o-meter. Um, but in your own terms, how did you come from a person who was just did not identify as an empath to someone who finally did? I think that was just finally hearing it defined. Yeah. I was like, oh, that that sounds like me. Yeah. And, you know, until then, I wasn't really aware of it. Right. So it was just, I was just, I was how I was, but I didn't really know. Well, I started picking up on it the most in massage therapy school. I went, yes, I had even that too. I've already talked about my EMT license. I've talked about my being in the army. I've talked about my culinary degree. I've talked about my truck driver's license. Yes, I even had a massage therapy <laughs> license. Mm-hmm. And why is that? And that's what I mean is that I'm 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 a very energetically sensitive person. And when I get in environments that don't suit me or don't feel right, I keep on, keep on, keep on moving. Mm-hmm. That's a I think the Brady bunch. <laughs> but I keep on moving down the road because yeah. I ah, I hate I hate this part of me, but I've got this sense of understanding of whether or not something's going to work out or if there's any reason to keep investing into it or not. And I'll start a job or a school program and, and some work out very well while others, I can just tell, I can just sense it right away that this is a dead fucking end. And yet sometimes we don't have a choice in the matter. Here's your dead end. Enjoy it. The fuck anyway, fella, here's your shit sandwich. Have fun. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Um, but what I mean to say is that highly sensitive people don't feel right, don't feel natural around lots of people. So how do we reconcile with that? And how do we, uh, you know, set, uh, be, live to the beat of our own drum rather than have to constantly be out there being um, energetically triggered? Well, when you have to be out there, you just kind of have to realize that that's where you are and have your little tips and your little mechanisms for stepping back a little bit. And then knowing that you have a place at home where you can just rest and recharge. And yeah, that always Mm -hmm. helps knowing that it's not going to be forever. And I have a little place I can go for my little sanctuary. And well, I feel like being a man, being a male has always made me especially trepidatious in my admissions of sensitivity because as soon as you say the word sensitive, they assume that you mean emotionally sensitive. And no, I'm not. In fact, I rarely cry. In fact, sometimes I wish I could cry more so that I got that cathartic release. But but as a man, it was especially hard because um, people have certain understandings of masculinity, especially in our culture and society today. Good grief, the right wing, fucking obsessed with masculinity, and yet... Uh, I've got a deep voice. I'm a pretty masculine dude, just naturally. Uh, so I guess maybe I've instead of leaning into my masculinity, I always sort of leaned into my sensitivity. But what would be your advice for people who are sort of 
they think they're empaths, but they're afraid to uh, sort of uh, go to the next step and admit it and uh, frame their life around that. <clears throat> I think you just kind of have to. I mean, you just have to accept yourself and know yourself and be mm -hmm. okay with that. Yeah. Well, what about people who were like, well, I'm sensitive energetically to a lot of things and I can always tell people are lying and blah, blah, blah. But some people don't sense other people's thoughts or emotions. In other words, they feel a sense of I'm, I'm, ga I'm getting more than most, but I, but I don't know if I'm a true empath. Uh, uh, what's the harm, if any, uh, of calling yourself self an empath if you aren't maybe a, a full realized empath like I am? Or we yeah, are. there's not any. I mean, no. there's there's grades of everything. That's not everything's right. just black and white. And however you choose different. to identify is up to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I think the hardest thing for me, um, like I said, we're social creatures. We get our identity and a lot of our happiness and worth out of this sense of who we are in the collective in this world. And, you know, ever since moving up here from California, we've been here eight years now. Um, I rarely go outside and I rarely call or talk to friends and I rarely do things. And I could really let that affect me, but I don't because I, I'm still aware of the fact that I have to go outside, that I have to ground, that I have to be with nature, that I have to be with friends. But I've just reached this point where uh, I don't know, as an, because I'm such a strong empath, I just don't like being around people. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. Yeah. I well, wouldn't and, be if I didn't well, have to be. <laughs> and it's kind of like I probably would be more extroverted if the world wasn't so fucking we weird right now. You know, I almost feel like, wow, the world's getting really dumb and stupid and losing its uh, wisdom. And therefore, I guess I'll have to just become an isolationist and i hate saying that but i mean there's plenty of smart people out there but a lot of people you're just not going to uh, jive with you're not going to mm -hmm. you know and and interaction has become almost this like you know this task this herculean task of having to constantly socialize with people that aren't you're not jiving with you're not connecting with so how do how, how do you suppose we could do that i if I didn't have to go out there, I wouldn't. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard. You just kind of have to, like like we've talked about before, I'm just lucky that within my job, I've ended up with people that I get along with and relate mm -hmm. to. So that helps. Yeah, you guys have a common sense of emo heart or mm -hmm. a common sense of irreverence. Yeah. A absolutely. common sense of fuck this job and fuck everyone. Yeah. And I think <laughs> you just have to try to find that environment that you can get along with and yeah. get along in and just do your best at it. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about me that always is so weird is that when I start a job, I know what a overly nice and kind and decent person I am. And then when I'm treated like I'm so dastardly, like these people are the opposite of empaths. They're sociopaths because they can't even tell that, you're a good person. You've been through a lot. Most people can read my energy and go, this guy's been through some shit and he's a really nice person. There would be no reason to give him guff. And yet sometimes the opposite happens. Mm -hmm. These people just turds. Yeah. Just fucking assholes. They're just, 
They're oblivious to your plight. They're oblivious to your energy. They're oblivious to your body language. They're oblivious to all the signs. You're just like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. And at the end of the day, um, that's where I have a problem, where I almost have to start speaking out against people who are just so obnoxiously uh, non-empathic. What, what do we do about that? Well, like you said, you do speak out or you leave the situation. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just can't stay within it. Sometimes it I work. speak out, then leave because I'm telling yeah. them off. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but to a lesser extent, when I have to maintain a job that I can't quit, I, I just go, oh, I don't like this person. I just, I literally just clam up and turn around and disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, where did he go? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to find energies well, that I like. <laughs> yeah. And the ironic thing is, and I know I've talked about mm. the medical assisting stuff in regards to other things like empathy for migraines and healthcare issues. But all those years in a medical setting was where I found the least people, least amount of people that were like me. Yeah. Just so weird. And I, I, you know, and I, I, I'm, this isn't probably true of everywhere, but I do feel that a lot of medical people because of the amount of stress, because of the doctors and this social hierarchy, the wealth, inequalities um it feels like because they have to deal with so many ailments and problems that they've become the least equipped to be compassionate what is that yeah i don't know i don't know if it is compassion fatigue or maybe sometimes i think when it comes to doctors especially they get in it because of the money Mm-hmm. They don't get in it because they're compassionate. And so people, their bedside so manner is always shit because mm-hmm. they never grew the compassion necessary to become a healer. And as far as coworkers, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's just been weird. It's been a weird. Well, that's what I mean is if you have a good boss, great things can happen because that's the energy. The, 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 you have a boss that's trying to make things better. That's trying to be kind. That's trying to be sociable. That's trying to let you be you and and sometimes that's very empowering uh contrary contrary to that we sometimes have bosses that are just not good and they 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 exacerbate an energy and a feeling of morbidity and 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 futility what you know yeah and how how do we stick with jobs with people like that sometimes you can't yeah. And other times you just kind of have to insulate yourself and get through the day and go home and be yourself. And yeah, that's all you can do some days. Right, right. Well, to use my friend, the chiropractor, as an example again, is that he has, you know, he grew up poor, just like I did. I didn't have a lot, you know. Um, but the difference between he and I is that I think there's, you know how they say that some African-American people, they grow up poor and that's why they dress so nice or they, you know, wear bling and shit when they get older because it gives them the status and the stature that perhaps they were lacking in their childhood. Not always, but sometimes. Well, I feel like my friend is sort of that way in that he overcompensates for the fact that he has to be a capitalist, wealthy badass motherfucker and if he doesn't attain that then um then every then all bets are off you might as well just mm-hmm. pack it up and pack it in and go home well, it's and, kind of like an all or nothing kind right. of mentality yeah it feels like 
Well, and, and and I feel like he's always holding himself to such a high standard. And and like, there's two versions of Jim when we talk. There's wounded Jim that's humble but wounded, and so he's like a wounded animal. You can't get near him because he's wounding. He's he's healing. He's he's energetically scathed and burnt, right? Yeah. And sometimes that leads to bitterness or anger. And then there's um, superior Jim that's doing great. It's just the sky's the limit. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, I'm trying to tell this guy, I'm like, do you have any other pieces to you than that? You, you've got to merge these two components together because when you're doing well, you come off like a know-it-all. You come off like a superior asshole. And when you're wounded, you come off like, like Trump does. Woe is me. Oh, poor billionaire. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that's not to say that I don't have real compassion for him. I do. When he's wounded and do, not doing well, I do feel for him. But it's kind of hard to feel sorry for people who've got more than you. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> you know, and I love the fellow. And, I, and I'm only using him as an example because I feel like they're, that's sometimes like you run into those people out there. Like they're either... Sup- doing great and healthy, but they kind of have a little bit of a superior attitude or they're not doing great and they're humbler, but now they're kind of always just latching on, trying to, you know, heal their own heart. In other words, they're self-centric. They don't seem to have any understanding of other people out there and they just linger in their own muck and mire of their own greatness, whether good or bad. It just feels like there's a selfishness that a self, a a self-centrism that, that just never goes away. And um, I hate saying that because I don't think he's a bad person, but there's a lot of people like that nowadays that just don't really feel invested in you as a friend, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And and you have to have a certain amount of selfishness to take care of yourself. Sure. But sometimes People have more of it in abundance than yeah. others. Well, what do we do as empaths? Because because we know people so well, because there's an inherent internal wisdom there, uh, because uh, oftentimes we're turned off and tuned out to uh, energies that we don't vibe on, uh, how can we sort of have the happy-go-lucky, funny, jovial don't worry, be happy, silly heart nature um, when things aren't always going right. How, where do we, how do we arrive at that, I guess I'm asking? Some days it's really hard and not possible. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to keep, keep in mind that things aren't always going to go bad if they're going badly and just try to work towards a better day, a better outcome. Well, and I've just come to the conclusion that, Brian, you have a good personality. Guess what? Some people just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. The end. Yeah. And it would just, what do you tell a bunch of uptight whiteys? Hey, you have a bad personality. You have no charisma. Maybe grow a fucking heart and uh, things will start setting into place. In other words, there's a lot of people out there that just don't have the humor, don't have the heart. And then so when they're asking for sympathy, you're like, ah, honky, please. Like, where were you when I was hurting, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same. Yeah. Well, just that sad guru thing really stuck with me. That he was talking about isolating yourself and separating yourself from the collective. That you have to be your own person. You have to persevere in your own sense of self, absent of wanting to make everybody happy. You have to stop becoming a people pleaser and start becoming a person who doesn't live and exist on social media, that doesn't live and exist to please others and isn't always interconnected to the Borg collective out there because that, I think, is what sets our mind at dis-ease. We're always trying to make others happy. We're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. And so you have to almost cut off from that socialization because we're social animals. It comes naturally. But uh, how can we almost, for those who are too social, unsocialized to become a better version of the self so they can go into their chrysalis stage and start, you know, growing? I'm so not like that. But I honestly don't really know. I mean, you have to maybe have things that you know that you like to do that you can pull back and do. Yeah. Because it's so opposite of how I am. Right. But it's almost like I can't even understand it. It's like those people, there's (laughs) there's a guy that that works, that's a cashier, and he's been a cashier there before. He worked freight before, and he's he's retired from his career. Mm -hmm. So he came back to work for the insurance and then he retired again and then he just came back because he was bored like i don't get that i don't get that either i I got way too much shit i could do exactly so (laughs) so the whole like pulling back from being a social creature yeah it's just it's It's not it's not your thing (laughs) exactly no i get it well yeah at the end of the day today i wanted this episode to essentially be um an exercise where we think critically about ourself and finding the humor, finding the joy, finding the silliness and the absurdity of life uh, in order to let go of all that stress and all that sense of, oh, I have to go be a go-getter and, oh, I have to go achieve and, oh, I got to be the best of the best and, oh, I got to keep up with the Joneses and this constant identity complex that people have of trying to outdo one another or keep up with each other mm-hmm. at the end of the day i just think some people need to pull the fucking stick out yeah <laughs> definitely and um and find a sense of humor and joy in their life even some something that you know it, that you might have to just let go of all these ideas of what you think you have to be yeah definitely i think a lot of people would be healthier mentally if they did that. Yeah, Absolutely. I tend to agree. So uh, at, this is that's really all I have today, babe. Uh, thank you for that. But just in your own last words, I wanted I wanted to ask you, you know, about being an empath. A lot of people tune into this show because they want to know more about that. They're curious. Um, it's fascinating to them. They think it's kind of paranormal, but it kind of is kind of isn't but i I just want you to kind of speak to those folks real quick and just tell them uh that there's hope and 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 to explain to them how the process of maturation happens from going from someone who's flirting with the idea of of being an empath to someone who's going to become a realized empath and call themselves that 
from here on out. It's just knowing yourself, I think. Yeah. And trying to be comfortable with yourself. And not caring and so much what others think, for exactly. God's sake. Yes. That, <laughs> definitely that. That's yeah. probably the number one thing. Yeah. Because once you realize who you are and you're able to not give a shit what other people think, it's just, it's easier. Yeah. Well, all around. and, and I, I used my friend today as an example a few times. I hope he doesn't listen and get uptight about that because I, I do love the guy. He's a good person, but, but I use him as an example because he's the perfect example of a person who just can't let himself relax and be. Yeah. And I don't know if that's psychological, physiological, or a little bit of both, but I just know that some people don't know how to relax enough to find their humor, mm -hmm. their sense of silliness and fun and joy. Yeah. And I think that's why for some people having kids is a good thing. And I hope for him, as his kids start to speak and get older, he'll find that silly heart nature that he's lacking. But at the end of the day, I don't need kids. I am a kid. <laughs> I yeah. just got my new Batman Batmobile yesterday and I'm a happy kid. Like, mm -hmm. and I've just yeah. always been a man and a grown up, but also a little bit of always scratching a little bit of that perpetual 12 year old. I wear shorts. I, <laughs> I collect Batman and I, mm -hmm. I like, you know, Thundercats cartoons and, but I'm, but I'm also mature too. So how do we find a balance? Cause I think that's where people are like, they're afraid others going to think they're stupid or silly or you know, they're not mature because, you know, they like silly things. Because my friend, he thinks because of the nature of going on my voodoo account and seeing all my superhero movies that I'm just a silly, stupid person. I can't think the bigger, more adult thoughts. And nothing could be further from the mm -hmm. truth. He doesn't understand that being an adult doesn't mean you have to fucking always act like an uptight weirdo. Well, yeah, people don't realize that <clears throat> you can be different things you don't have to be all one kind of person there's different facets to personalities yeah. and people and some people just don't allow themselves that or don't allow themselves to understand that in other people yeah they just don't know how to give the grace to other people to let them be who they are and that right well that's what i mean about when life. he does that to me a lot like <clears throat> i've never hurt him i've never did anything now when we were kids i was a bigger stronger person than him and sometimes i mess with him a little bit but it, nothing horrific nothing life altering but now i feel like there's this resentment he has for me in a way almost like he wants to be like me or something but then he sours on me um because i didn't live up to his expectations and then it's like well sorry dude maybe you got to figure yourself out more and figure me out less mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> because i, I think that's what a lot of people do is they sour on you and uh, there's a lot of people out there that who have been burnt in the past, who have been hurt. And so they've just sworn off trying altogether. How, how can mm -hmm. we get these folks to at least participate again in friendship and yeah. uh, well, it's life. scary. You just, you have to realize that in putting yourself out there, you can get hurt. You can get ridicule ridiculed, but yeah. it's just being comfortable with yourself and learning to not give a shit. Yeah, not giving a shit is where it's at. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't, you know, get the problem. I think people are afraid to let go. It's it's a part of our nature to want to control things. And I get that. I'm very much that way. Um, but I've also learned uh, strategies and ways to relax. I've also looked at like the, the long term of this podcast and my goals as a YouTuber and as a voice artist 
that it's the long game that matters. Don't worry if you stop and take some time off to work or take some time off to enrich your life or take some time, you know, in other words, um, so long as you're living a good, happy life, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could, you will always get back to the things that you love most if it was meant to be. And mm-hmm. I just sort of have learned to be more spiritual in that regard of, 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 of accepting that, which I can't change. And, um, having faith in the process that, the things that I care about and love the most will always be there just so long as I give it the proper space and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Any final words, baby? Not really. Yeah. Just be kind to yourself. Yeah. Let yourself be who you are. Yeah. And be kind to others. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim, chiropractor man, I love you. <laughs> In case he hears this. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think at the end of the day, being a human is hard, especially nowadays, especially when, you know, I tend to think that the social contract of this country has failed. The social fabric of our society is slowly, you know, eroding. It's going into tatters. There's loose ends and strings everywhere. And finding a clean, good, easy life is is hard because... I do believe that the social fabric is unwinding a little bit. The capitalism isn't what it used to be. The jobs aren't what they used to be. And frankly, people's integrity isn't what it used to be. And so we've all sort of become, I don't know, shittier, more isolated versions of ourselves. But all that being said, um, you know, be the change, I suppose. Be the mm-hmm. kind one. Be the sensible one. Be the one willing to um to to extend your hand out in friendship yeah yeah absolutely and when people don't do you right well you know turn your back on those who can't get right i you know i've given my friend a million chances and i'm just at a point where i'm gun shy with him i i love him dearly but he's always blaming me for some aspect of his life that's not going right it's like bro internalize get your Sort your life out, mate. You'll you'll get there, and I will not yeah, let yeah. go of him. Because you were telling me at one point, dude, drop this guy. He's a sandbag. He's a drag on your life. And and I said, I, it's I, it's easier said than done. Because we're talking about a forty year friendship here, or a mm-hmm. thirty five year friendship, and and now we're at a place where we're in a good place. But sometimes our I think the reason our friendship thrives is because of the distance. Because yeah. he wants me to come work for him. I'm like, oh, oh, shit, no. Like, mm-hmm. I love him, but no, fuck no. Yeah. And sometimes you kind of have to know that with your friends and how much of yourself you can be with others and how much you may not fully, you know, it's like my friend Craig. He's a Trump supporter. I can only go so far with him. I have to, at the end of the day, let him be him and and realize that you may not be able to scratch that itch with some people, that cathartic release i was talking about with some folks you just it's just leave well enough alone and have joy in the fact that some friendships are just yeah we can talk about this but we can't talk about that craig and i we talk star trek we talk movies we talk barbecue and that's all we can talk about mm-hmm. and that's all right yeah <laughs> but the distance and the time and the separation of it is what keeps our friendship strong because we're not always up in each other's face because i think 
too much of a person, you're gonna just it, it wouldn't work. Between, like you and I, we're around each other all the time, and that's why I say, you know, you got to reset, you got to recharge, you have to uh, review the relationship and perhaps find new ways to express each uh, your gratitude toward each other and your appreciation because yeah life gets old man we got to try new things and try new ways and it's not always easy especially when we're all uptight and when we oftentimes externalize we want others to change but we don't do the changing ourselves. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure you know yep well thank you baby that was a good episode yeah and thank you guys if you like the work that we're doing, please come on over to my YouTube channel. That's YouTube forward slash Chef Bry Comedy. Please subscribe there. We're going to be doing a bunch of cool stuff there very shortly. Uh, I am going to try to work the YouTube channel around my other life goals. That's writing a book, becoming a voice artist, and working a real job, frankly. And uh, I'm not always happy or enthusiastic with some aspects to the way things go in life. But at the end of the day, you have to find joy. You have to find comfort and you have to find love. And you have to try to exude that love and joy uh, uh, from yourself outward and uh, hopefully infect others. That's what it's all about. So if you want to help us, come on over to my Instagram. That's Instagram forward slash Chef Comedy. And uh, yeah, you guys, we've only got a handful of episodes left. And then we're going to move on over to the YouTube channel. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got to tackle a few more episodes. We want to talk about aliens and UFOs and cryptids and uh, pa- the paranormal and uh, dark empaths versus light empaths. we got to talk about those things at least one more time. So thank you guys for being a friend. Thank you guys for being there for us and with us. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.